In this episode, the show is back. I will be talking to you about the arrival of my cats. I'll be paying tribute to Taylor Hawkins, talking about movies like Turning Red, My Dinner with Andre, and The Breakfast Club. You know, the usual grouping. We'll be talking about music from Frank Turner, guided by Voices and Dolly Parton. Again, the usual grouping, and probably more about cats. As always, I'm your host, Eric Brink, and you are listening to Empty Checking. Checkmates, checkmates, checkmates. Where have I been for the last month or so? Mostly in my house, is the answer to that question. Sorry I have been away from you. The last time I talked to you, I I talked for an hour about how excited I was that I was going to be getting cats. And since that time, the cats have arrived, which has taken up a ton of my time. You will probably hear them in the background clunking around and knocking stuff over and playing. Uh, That's what they do. And it seems like when I sit down to try to do this, they start doing that. And that has been part of what's been taking up my time. It's just not being able to find a window to do the show when the cats aren't knocking stuff over. But uh, I've just decided that this show comes with background noise now. And I'm recording it actually sitting in my kitchen, so you'll probably also hear my refrigerator running. Uh, You will probably also hear the irritating neighborhood children that are across my back fence yelling and hitting things uh, in their yard, which they have been doing today. But yeah, the cats. The cats are here. And uh, I I am very much looking forward to telling you that about that and telling you all about them. And I'll put a couple pictures over on the blog. Uh, the blog, incidentally, over at emptychecking. Uh, something, boy, it's been a while. Uh, over at emptychecking. Uh, blogspot. Com. That's it. The show itself is hosted at emptychecking. Podbean. Com. Uh, we're of course on most of the podcast apps. I think Amazon is starting one, and I have to find out how to get onto that. But I think we're everywhere else, including Spotify, for some reason, because I can't seem to get off of there. Uh, if you want to know more about me, and particularly my music career, it's over at DerekBrink.com. You can email the show at db at DerekBrink.com. It's actually me. You'll be emailing me, not the show. You'll be emailing me. With anything you want to talk about, I, I answer emails, so go nuts. Tell me how, you do, how you're doing and, and, and how you've been over the last month. Um, I feel like I forgot one. Oh, the music that you hear throughout the show is stuff that I wrote, and it's all available for absolutely free over at derekbrink.bandcamp.com. All you do is enter zero as your purchase price, and I don't collect your email. I won't even know that you took it. I would just love it if you loved it. You can also choose to pay a little bit if you want to, if you're if you're in a giving mood, but don't don't worry about it if you don't if you just want the music for free. That's cool. Uh, yeah. So the cats are here. The cats are here. By the way, uh, this uh, episode, I'm recording this on uh, WrestleMania weekend. I'm I'm recording it on the Sunday of WrestleMania. WrestleMania is a uh, two-night event this year, and uh, night one was actually a lot of fun. I particularly enjoyed the Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair match. 
Uh, also, the Cody Rhodes redebut against uh, uh, Seth Rollins was really good. Um, I'm not a Stone Cold Steve Austin fan. I know, weird, right? But I just don't like the guy, so I didn't uh, care for his barely a match with uh, Kevin Owens, where Kevin Owens got in approximately two actual moves and a bunch of really protected punches on Steve, because Steve has an insurance policy that he can't lose. Uh, but by the way, uh, I work in that industry, so Steve, you were just on TV in a fake fight. Uh, there is going to be a private investigator following you for the next week or so. Uh, fake a limp when you're out in your garden. Th that's... you... you are in some danger of losing your policy right now, buddy. Uh, but anyway, uh, WrestleMania night one was good. We're recording this on night two. Maybe I'll talk about that in a different episode. You never can tell. Cats. <laughs> I am a little bit scatterbrained and all over the place here, folks. I've been sleeping weird hours. Uh, but yeah, the cats are here, and they're part of why I've been sleeping weird hours. Uh, they are great. They're just the best guys, the best little boys. Uh, their names, I didn't tell you their names in the last episode, because I was keeping that close to the vest until I had signed the papers. Their names are Jonko and Maguire. Uh, those of you who listen to the show a lot will recognize that Jonko is named after my friend John, who I did a tribute episode to, who passed away at the end of last year. And uh, I like having a Jonko in my life, so I've got one for at least... 15 to 20 years now, uh, more, and that feels nice. So John Coe's here, and McGuire is named after another family friend who is of sort of equal, uh, footing as John Coe, uh, named after my uncle Dan, and, uh, uh, Dan, of course, being Gaelic for McGuire. Uh, <laughs> that's a dumb joke, sorry. Uh, you can probably put two and two together on how he got his name. Um, but yeah, the, the guys are here, they're, they're just the best. They're, I, I really love having them here, and I, uh, it's not always fun. I've been scratched. I've banged up my hand, uh, freeing one of them from being trapped inside of my recliner sofa, which is going to the curb next week, because uh, it has to go, because my cats are getting stuck inside of it, and not hiding inside of it. That's not what they're doing. They're getting in there, uh, it, particularly McGuire, is getting in there, and not being able to find his way out, and is howling for help, and I've had to free him from the couch a handful of times. And uh, this last time, I hurt my hand really badly. For a, a minute, I actually thought I broke my hand. Uh, but it's uh, uh, not broken, but it is very wounded, and uh, I actually tweeted a picture of my hand all taped up and bruised up and stuff. It, it's... it, uh, it was ugly just because I it was a tight space and I just I banged up my hand getting him out of there. Um, so that couch is going away and I'm getting a new couch. A new couch is coming in sometime in the next two to three weeks. Uh, they couldn't be more specific than that over at Carroll House Furniture. Uh, they were great. I don't want to. That's not a knock on them. They were great and very helpful and I found exactly what I wanted and I'm excited about it. I really like this couch that I'm getting. They just uh, didn't have it in stock and would be getting one in two to three weeks, or th two to three weeks, three to four weeks on their end. And now we're down to two to three weeks since I went shopping. So 
Uh, yeah, there will be a new couch in my life, but that, uh, that's, that's for the protection of my cats and, uh, the protection of my limbs, uh, because the new couch will not be a recliner, it just has a flat bottom, and they can't get into it, and, uh, if they do get into it, they can probably get out, because it'll be a hole that they made. Uh, <laughs> but I'm looking forward to the new couch, uh, and my guys are gonna have a vast improvement of quality of life when that gets here, because at that point, they're... The, the door to their room will just be open all the time, um, especially on days where I'm going to the office. I think I hate kind of trapping them in their room for nine hours or whatever, and uh, and they hate it too. They get mad at me, <laughs> and uh, they do not mind showing it. But uh, uh, for the most part, look, there's been some hard stuff and there's been some learning experiences, but every every time one of these guys gets up in my lap and you know kind of seeks me and cuddles up with me and purrs it, all of the tough moments absolutely fade away and uh they're just the best and for those of you who don't love hearing about cats i talked an hour in the last episode about them i don't know how much i'm going to talk about them in this episode but i promise this isn't just turning into a a, a cat cast or a podcast Ooh, that's good. Podcat. Is someone using pod? Someone's got to be using Podcat. That's that's got to be out there. Uh, if not, that's free. Y'all can take it. I'm not gonna do it, but it's a good name. Uh, I promise this isn't gonna be just a show about my cats from now on. But they will come up from time to time because they are the best, and those are my sons. So uh, uh, <laughs> that's where we are. But uh, yeah, John Cohen McGuire are here. I do want to tell you just a little bit about how they got here. Because uh, on whatever Friday night that was, when was that? That was uh, Friday the 4th of March. On Friday the 4th of March, I had a kind of final meeting with the good people over at 10th Life uh, Cat Rescue. Uh, that is that it? 10th Life Cat Rescue? Is that? Yes, 10th Life Cat Rescue. I couldn't remember. I knew it was 10th Life something something, but a cat rescue. Uh, you can check them out, by the way, over at uh, their website, which is... Uh, Oops, sorry, the one I pulled up on my phone is their merchandise site, which you should check out as well, but, uh, uh, Tenth Life Cat Rescue is, uh, nope, that is not them. Hang on, sorry, y you would think I would be prepared. TenthLifeCats.org, TenthLifeCats, all one word, dot org. I don't know why I can't remember that, but Tenth Life, I had, uh, my final meeting with them, and paid the adoption fee and signed the papers and that was the easiest thing I've ever done in my life because I'd already met the guys and I loved them and uh, as soon as that was done I texted their foster mom my friend Kim hi Kim if you're listening you're the best uh, and I, I texted her and just said hey I just signed the the papers and paid the fee you know so excited she was like cool want to come over and hang out with them until you can until they tell me you can take them home and I was like, I have no idea when they're going to call you to tell you that I can take them home. It might be tomorrow, because it was late in the day at that point. It was like 7 or 8 o'clock, I think. And I just said, I, you know, I, I really want to, but I, I don't know that it's going to be tonight, you know. And Kim is a wonderful person and a, a good friend, and I think that we trust each other, but I don't think that she wanted me sleeping on her couch, uh, just waiting to take the cats home. So, uh, although Cam, if you did, I, sorry, I would have done it, <laughs> but it's, you know, uh, <laughs> I just didn't want to assume, um, didn't want to impose myself. Uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, she was, she's, she's been very great with her time in that way, even 
in the month since I've had them here, she's been uh, very helpful and uh, texting me and, and uh, uh, with helpful suggestions and commenting on posts that I'm making and stuff. And uh, Kim's just the best. Um, but yeah, I didn't know if I was going to get over there that night, you know, but probably around 8.30, maybe, yeah, probably around 8.30 at night, she texted me and said, hey, just got the all clear, come over. And I was like, okay, great. And I went over with my cat carriers, because I bought cat carriers, I thought I had. And uh, I got over there, and uh, it took me about a half hour to get there. We live a little bit apart. St. Louis is like that. Everything you want to do is a half hour away from wherever you are. Uh, so I, <laughs> I go over to Kim's place, um, and you know, she kind of corralled the cats into their carriers. And, uh, that was, that was like the first hard part for me was she's like, okay, here you go. You know, and gave me a couple of pieces of advice. And she did the very smart thing if she hadn't fed them so that I could get them home and bring them food. And they would immediately see me as the bringer of food. And I think that really helped our relationship. But the first really hard thing was I got them in the car and neither my seat nor my floor had enough room for them to be right next to each other in their carriers. So they were kind of separated, which is hard because they're you know brothers and they've always had each other. And for that half hour drive back to my house, they were a little bit separate. They could hear each other, you know, if one of them meowed or whatnot. And McGuire meowed. He was not happy. He was like so freaked out going going down the highway and uh, he was just like just howling, meowing, just like I, I I don't know what's going on. Why am I outside at night? I, I've been in mom's car, but this isn't her car. Who are you? I remember you from the time you visited, but why are we in a car that is going somewhere I've never been? What is happening? Where is my brother? You know, it was that kind of a howl. So I just like stuck my finger into his carrier, and he was like okay, and just kind of like rubbed up against it and was like, this'll do, I, you know, as long as I know I'm not alone, whatever, you know, but it was just kind of hard doing that. But I got them home and I, I got them into their room because yes, they have their own room. They, you are supposed to introduce a cat to your house that way and, and in a room and give them a firm control of their home base before you open the house to them, which was a great idea because that helped them acclimate and they, that room is their safe space. It's where their litter boxes are. That is where we take their food. And like that is, uh, uh, like that is their home base. And I, they know that that's their safe space all the time. And they're in and out of there all, all the time, all day. But uh, they, they are now out in the house proper and running around and, and doing stuff. But I, that first night, I kind of opened up their carriers. And it took them a long time to kind of come out and decide that they were going to explore and and I brought them their food, and they kind of ate it. And you know, Jonko didn't eat much, but McGuire ate what he left out, left over, because McGuire is a vacuum, and uh, <laughs> uh, it's one of the things I love about him. But um, yeah, they just the the first night they were clearly uncomfortable, but there was like I had the cat stuff in there, and I had enough in there that was kind of kind of looked familiar and felt like things that were at Kim's place that I I think they kind of got comfortable with, okay, I think it's going to be okay here, you know, I like, I kind of, this room seems all right, you know, and, and they just slowly got more and more acclimated, and I spent a ton of time in there with them, thankfully I've still been working from home, you know, most of the time, uh, and they just got, they got acclimated, and it got to be okay, and, and uh, uh, they got to, 
they got to trust me and they got to kind of, you know, start cuddling up to me and purring for me and, and, you know, we became friends. And, uh, after about a week of that, I opened their door and blew their little minds with how much space they had. But soon thereafter, they, they realized, oh, this is my house. I, 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 I live here. This is my place. And there's just this guy here, you know, and, and, uh, boy, do they know that now. They are both very comfortable here and very, uh, they, they, they own the house and I'm, I'm renting from them basically. Um, and they're just the sweetest little guys, sweetest little guys. Uh, I've been posting a ton of pictures on my Facebook page. If you don't follow me on Facebook, you can find me pretty easily. Uh, my profile is open to the public. Um, and, uh, uh, I, I've been posting photos every week, every Friday, feline Friday. I've been, uh, which is not as catchy as, uh, Catterday, which would be Saturday. Uh, I, I, uh, it just, I, I brought them home on a Friday. So every week I've been posting their pictures on Fridays, uh, cause that's, that just feels good, you know? Uh, but yeah, we hit one month this past Friday, a couple of days ago, we hit one month and they, uh, I don't remember what it was like before these guys were here. They've changed my life for the better, and uh, I think I'm doing a a pretty good job with their lives too. Uh, I hope anyway. They seem they seem happy. <laughs> but uh, one of the ways that they changed my life is uh, I get up earlier now. Um, this none of these times are going to sound crazy to anybody who has like an adult job, like you grew up before I did. But just stick with me on this. My normal work shift starts at 9.30 in the morning. By the way, I've been a lifelong insomniac for just ever. Um, so I, I, I often run on a lack of sleep, but I would typically make it up on the weekends. So with a work shift that starts at 9.30 in the morning, working from home, that means any day that I'm working, I'm getting up at 9 uh, because I went to bed at 3 you know, or whatever. And uh, so I've been getting up at nine pretty regularly. And on weekends, maybe I would get up at the crack of noon, you know? (laughs) That's just sort of how I'd been living. Uh, If I had to go into the office, the earliest I would be getting up is eight in the morning to kind of get ready and and get down the highway and everything. Uh, These cats... (laughs) <laughs> when I kind of knew I was get, getting them, I texted Kim, or I may have asked her, I don't remember exactly how this happened, but I, I, I inquired of Kim, hey, what, what's their feeding schedule? Because I want that to be familiar for them. And she said, you know, dry kibble all day, but they get uh, wet food, they split a can of wet food uh, at 7.30 in the morning and 7.30 at night. Uh, that is early for me. But you know what, folks? For the past month, I've been getting up at 7. Like, I didn't blink when she said it to me. Uh, she, that must have been an in-person conversation. Because uh, I feel like I heard her say it. <laughs> and, uh, but I, I'm also on a lack of sleep because I'm still an insomniac. Uh, but yeah, I didn't blink. I didn't flinch. I didn't, you know, complain or, or try to find a way to change that. I just got out my phone and set a daily alarm for seven in the morning. Uh, and that is how I live now. Um, every day, including weekends. Fortunately, the guys nap a a lot, so I get good naps on, on weekends. (laughs) Uh, I don't during the day because I'm working, you know, but, 
uh, during the weekdays, and by the time I'm done working, it's, like, evening, and, you know, you don't, like, there's no point in taking a nap once the sun goes down, you're just going to bed at that point, you know, so I don't, I haven't, uh, done that, but, uh, uh, yeah, I've been getting up at seven every day for these guys, and it's been fine, you know, like, it's been a transition I'm okay with, there are days that it's harder, and there are days where it's like, okay, boys, here's your food. I'm going to go into the bedroom and close the door and you can't come in. And, <laughs> and I'll get a little bit more sleep. Uh, but uh, uh, most days, it's fine. I just get up and I feed them their breakfast and they're happy to see me because they want the food. And uh, uh, they have their breakfast and then I go into the kitchen and I have my breakfast. And we do our day together. And sometimes it's a great day, and sometimes it's not so great of a day. But we we spend time, and they get lots of pets and cuddles and forehead kisses. Yes, I'm the kind of guy that gives my cat forehead kisses. Cats, pardon me. They both get them, um, and they both love them. Uh, and McGuire, it's actually, McGuire, it's really sweet. Uh, if he gets up on my counter in my kitchen, uh, he'll, and like I walk up to the counter, a lot of times he'll just kind of look at me and kind of walk over and just sort of jump up and put his front paws on, on my shoulder and just give me a hug. He he's a hugger and that's really sweet and I love that and like I've I've come to really treasure that. What I don't treasure is the time that I was sitting at the uh, counter in the kitchen leaning over uh reading something on my laptop and he was behind me and decided he wanted to uh spend time with dad and he jumped up and landed on my back. And because that's not a, st a stable surface, dug in all of his claws on all of his paws into my back. Uh, that one uh, we had a confrontation about. Uh, but he, <laughs> he, I think, learned not to do that again. Uh, it was just yelling. I was just yelling at him and he ran to his room. And I've made it a conscious decision that even if I'm mad at him and he needs to hear the lecture... Uh, if he goes to his room, that's his, uh, well, either one of them, if they go to their room, that's their safe place, and I don't go into their safe place when I'm mad, because they need to feel safe, and they need to feel like that's a safe place that they can't, you know, nothing that scares them can, can hurt them, even dad. Uh, and that doesn't happen a lot, they don't get yelled at that much, just when they do stuff like that. But uh, for the most part, they don't do that, you know? Sometimes they get stuck in something. Sometimes they do something they th that they need to learn not to do. But for the most part, we hang out, we play, we get pets and forehead kisses and, and eat and things. And uh, they both seem to like watching TV with me and watching movies. And Jonko, every time I watch wrestling, he's right there on the couch with me watching the wrestling. I think it's probably all the bright colors of like the wrestling gear and stuff. But he, he loves watching wrestling. Seems to be a big, a big Brock Lesnar fan. I think he's going to enjoy the show tonight. <laughs> uh, but they're just the best. I love these little guys. I absolutely love these little guys. I don't remember what my life was like before them, and my life now revolves around them in a way that uh, some friends of mine probably think is weird. But I'm a guy in his 40s who lives alone with cats. That's going to be weird, you know? <laughs> like that, Nobody can be that upset about that. Like, you you just hear that description, and you go, ah, bet he's weird. And yes, I'm weird. Uh, those of you who've listened to the show for a long time know that. But the boys are here. John Cohen McGuire are here. And 
they are so welcome and so loved. Hey, John. <laughs> hey, John. Good to see you, buddy. Your ears burning? Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, they are so loved and so welcome and such a great addition to my life. And uh, I just love them. I just love them. So the cats are here, and you're going to hear about them a lot. And you're going to hear about it when I'm frustrated with them, and you're going to hear hear me much more often talk about loving them. And uh, you're going to hear a lot about my new couch when it gets here, too, probably in a couple of weeks. We're going to try and be back on a schedule where we're doing regular episodes and, and you know, doing it right. We're going to try to try to be doing this the way we're supposed to have always been doing it. But uh, uh, it just took me a little bit of time to find a rhythm with the with the new guys here. So... Thanks so much for your patience. Really appreciate it. Welcome back to the show. Welcome back to me, I guess, to the show. And uh, I've missed doing this, and I'm looking forward to doing it regularly again. Thanks so much for waiting, and thanks so much for understanding. I've actually gotten a few emails from some of you out there saying, hey, assume that you went away because you've got cats. Hope you'll be back soon, and hope you're enjoying the cats. Uh, stuff like that. Folks, I'm enjoying the cats. And, <laughs> and thank you so much for your patience. We have a lot to talk about here today. I don't. I, I think uh, you've humored me for a good twenty or so minutes on the cat stuff. Uh, the, they'll probably come up a couple more times during the duration of this as they run around. Although actually, it looks like it might be getting close to nap time here for the boys. But you might hear some more about them. Uh, certainly, if nothing else, then in the closing comments. But we've got a lot to talk about today, and uh, we are going to talk about that stuff. I'm a little out of practice, but it'll get better. My grandmother used to talk to me back when she still had her thoughts and sometimes she'd sing to me from the 1930s charts Grandpa used to play Well, checkmates, as many of you will be aware, we, uh, we have to do a little bit of sad business here. Uh, and I thought I'd do it earlier in the show rather than later. Um, I've actually got more sad business I'm going to talk about later, so get ready for that in the outro. Um, Taylor Hawkins passed away recently. Um... Drummer for the Foo Fighters, uh, also a guy who did a lot of session drumming. He was with Alanis Morissette for a while in her touring band, I think. Uh, maybe also Tor Amos or somebody like that. Uh, he's, he's, he's toured with a lot of people, but he most known as a fixture, as, uh, as the drummer of the Foo Fighters. Who are a band I really like, who are a band that most of you really like. And, uh, uh... He died. I I don't know that the official cause of death has been released, but I think by now we've all read the initial toxology findings, and uh, we can all make some assumptions. Uh, I'm not going to speculate about that. It's just sad that a guy who seemed to be universally liked is gone, and a guy who was... Really, probably the only guy who could have played drums for Dave Grohl uh, is is gone. And in so many ways, he 
wanted to be Dave Grohl as a drummer, I think. So it was just a perfect fit to slot him into the band. And uh, just seemed like one of those guys that no one has a bad story about, you know? And, and nobody ever does when somebody dies, but he just seems like one of those guys that everybody loved working with. And everybody just like, hey, he had such an infectious energy and love of what he was doing. And, you know, you just kept hearing that. And you heard that even before he died, uh, which is one of the things that made me a fan of him, was that, oh, he seems like a really genuinely good guy in a business that doesn't have a lot of good guys in it. And he's also an excellent drummer for a band that I really like. Um, I was sad when I heard, heard when I read that he died, because I just saw the announcement that the Foo Fighters put out on social media, and literal jaw drop. And uh, in the next couple of minutes there, the cats, both of them, came up onto my lap and were kind of checking on me. Uh, you know, it's kind of going, what's going on? And that's when I realized that I had been crying. Because uh, it just was so shocking to see. Like, I, I, I would have almost believed if they had announced any other member. You know, would have been like, oh, I'm sorry to hear that, but yeah, okay. Uh, I, it just seemed like Taylor had that fire inside of him that you just never thought would burn out, but sometimes that fire burns out too quickly. And, you know, the first thing that popped into my head was some of the Foo lyrics, you know, you'd start singing, you know, times like these, you learn to live again, and you keep alive a moment at a time, and, and you kind of you fall back on that stuff and you you start listening to the art of the guy who's gone and so i've been listening to a lot of foo fighters in the past week and a bit and enjoying it and being sad about it and uh one of the things that i want to address about uh about taylor hawkins but about really any celebrity death like this is just some of the comments that you see flooding in from people who feel the need to qualify that they don't like the band, you know? Now, I'm not talking about if you are just commenting that you're not a huge fan of the band, but you're still sad about it. Like, you can qualify that. You can say, hey, I only know the stuff I've heard on the radio, or, you know, I lost track of this band after a couple albums and just, you know, to nobody's fault, just didn't just didn't keep up, or or you can say, you know, I I'm not that familiar with this band, but this still is really sad, and I'm really sad that it happened. It's okay to say all of that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what I immediately started seeing from my indie hipster bullshit friends on social media that like, well, Foo Fighters haven't been good since Color and the Shape, but why? Why say that part? Like, a, like one guy, I hesitate to say it, but one guy was like, well, I outgrew them musically, but why, why say that? Why not just say, it seems like a really nice guy died and that's sad to hear. Why say the bullshit part that you don't like the band or that you don't like him? Why do that? Someone died. I'm so fucking sick of that. So fucking sick of people having to qualify that, well, of course the band sucks, but 
when a musician that I don't like dies, you know what I say? Nothing. Because I find that that's more appreciated than talking about how the band sucks. So maybe try that in the future, those of you who feel the need to do that. Because what you're saying is, well, this band sucks, but it's still sad that a person died. What I'm reading is, I didn't have sex in high school, but I still really want to have sex with those girls, but I'm also mad at those girls, so I need to make it clear that I don't like the band that they like, and that I'm better than that band, and I can probably play music better than that band, but I also, again, still want to have sex with those girls, so I needed to appear like I have a heart, and at least feel like it's sad that somebody died, even though I really just want to register that, hey, an important thing is happening, and that band sucks. That's what I read when you make those comments out there. And I know anybody listening to this show isn't the kind of person that's going to make those comments. I know uh, the Checkmates, you're all cool and great, and just, you know, you, even if you don't like, you know, a band or a, a thing that I like, we still have plenty to agree about and plenty to discuss, and we can discuss it sanely. Uh, you know, that's, you're all great. And one of the ways that you can be great is you can take a moment to gently correct those people when you see it happening. I know that uh, for many of the folks that I saw making ugly comments like that in my feed, they would lead with, like the first thing, just like, well, the Foo Fighters haven't been good since Color and the Shape, or, well, I've never been a fan of this guy, of, of his playing, but they would lead with the ugly part. That's the first thing in the post. And I think five, six times the night that Taylor Hawkins died and, uh, and, the, next, uh, and the next morning... I just commented on those posts, why say the first part? And that's, and that's all I said. Why say the first part? And I noticed that uh, several of those posts were deleted or rewarded. Because we're all humans. All humans make mistakes. And all humans want to be better. Sometimes we just need to be reminded that we're capable of it. One of the ways that I get reminded to be a better human being is by listening to music I like, by hearing the words, and by taking them to heart. And there are a lot of lyrics that the Foo Fighters have put out there that are burned into my heart. It was very sad to hear that Taylor Hawkins is gone. I remain very sad that Taylor Hawkins is gone. I completely understand why the Foos have canceled their tour. Only thing they could have done. Rest in peace, Taylor. You did great. Regardless of what the hipster nonsense assholes on Facebook say. You were great. Thanks for doing that, man. See ya at the great gig in the sky. I've fallen so far It's so hard to be yourself When you don't know who you are 
Okay, checkmates, as we move on to happier subjects with my refrigerator buzzing away in the background. Sorry about that. You're going to have to live with that for this episode. Uh, Hopefully it's not that bad. If it is, I'll find a way to make that go away next time. Anyway, uh, we're going to we're going to talk about some movies. We're going to talk about some movies that I recently watched with the cats. And uh, three very different movies, three very different uh, genres, and I have very different thoughts about all three of them. Uh, Actually, I guess they're all kind of comedy-based. Are they all comedies? One of them's kind of not a comedy. One of them's kind of a kid's movie. Why am I doing this part out loud into a microphone? Okay, we're going to talk about movies. Uh, The first one I want to talk about is a movie that has been controversial in my particular social media feeds because I went to Bible college and uh, anytime something comes out that in some way doesn't glorify Jesus but kids like it the the Bible college kids freak out you know I, I said earlier we're all human and we all make mistakes one of mine was uh, all that time I spent in Bible college and I now work in insurance Although, actually, if I didn't have some of the friendships I made in Bible college, I wouldn't have this job. But anyway, moving on. Um, Yeah, I'm talking about uh, the Disney movie, the relatively new Disney movie, Turning Red, which uh, people freaked the fuck out about Um, in, in my social media feed. You probably have some of that, too. We all know very fundamentalist people, even if we didn't go to the place where they're hatched. Uh, you probably have encountered people like, I don't know about this movie. The, uh, controversial, if you haven't heard the controversy, first of all, uh, count your blessings, but the controversy about the movie is there is some material in it about a, uh, how old is the girl in the, the cartoon girl, I should say, in the movie? I think she's 11, 12, something like that. There is clear and direct reference to that girl maybe getting her period for the first time. Uh, and uh, it's it's clear, it's obvious, it is not specified whether or not it's actually true that she is, because the the mother in the movie is misunderstanding what's happening. What is actually happening is the little girl, when she gets worked up and emotional is turning into a red panda. Which, yeah, there's some symbolism there. Okay, I get it. But the symbolism isn't the part that, honestly, I don't think that the people who are mad about it even understand the symbolism. I think they're just mad about the fact that when it first starts happening, the mom assumes that the girl is getting her period for the first time and flips the fuck out and makes it really uncomfortable for the little girl and for the viewing audience. You know, you're either uncomfortable or you're, or, or you're kind of laughing at it uh, because you understand. That's five minutes of the movie. Tops. Five minutes tops of the mom thinking the little girl's getting her period and uh, like following her to school to give her uh, you know pads to use. Five minutes, tops. And, uh, uh, movies not aimed at 
five-year-olds. It's aimed at tweens and teens and the parents thereof. Uh, the people in my feed who are mad that this subject is being discussed seems to me like maybe they're more mad that they can't sit their seven-year-old down in front of the TV and walk away for an hour and a half. That's, that's maybe what the greater issue is. Or, uh, there's a lot of content in the movie, much more than the period content. There's a lot of content in the movie of the little girl getting really close with her friends and seeing them as her family group and getting more distant from her mother, who she's trying to please, but is in actuality growing apart from and having a lot of difficulty with, and there's a big generational divide happening in, in the family in the movie. And I'm wondering if that's actually the thing that scares some of the parents who are upset about this movie more than the content, the five minutes of content of period jokes. I'm wondering if maybe some of the parents who are upset about this movie see themselves in the mom character, and that's what is getting them upset. Because, by the way, that's something worth being upset about, but you're not upset at Disney. Uh, the heart of this movie is a little girl developing great relationships with her friends, who she knows she can depend on, and working her way through a hard situation, and, oh yeah, occasionally turning into a giant red panda for fun and giggles, and uh, she's a sassy panda, and it's a cartoon. Uh, that's what people are mad about, is the Sassy Panda cartoon movie, where a little girl teaches other uh, children her age the lesson that uh, it's good to like have a, a, a gang of friends that you can depend on. And uh, also, life is hard sometimes, and you go through a lot of changes, but you just have to adapt those changes into your life, and it'll be okay. That's, uh, that's what the movie is. With a slight uh, symbolism related to menstruation and some direct conversation of it. That's it. That's what the movie is. Uh, the same people, incidentally, who are so worried about the menstrual stuff in it uh, are, you know, taking their kids to church to learn about all of the blood that Jesus shed for them literally singing the blood that Jesus shed for me because I didn't eat my vegetables. Uh, they're, they're taking these kids to churches to learn how they personally are responsible for the very bloody execution of a guy who did nothing but love them, but for some reason, period blood is hard to explain. Period blood is what's going to fuck up your kids, not the fact that they didn't go to bed on time and killed God. That's not going to fuck them up, but knowing what a period is, many of them, probably about 50% of them, probably more because it's Disney, uh, are going to have to deal with that in their lives for most of their lives. That's going to fuck them up? I don't get it. Me... I watched the movie because I'd heard about the controversy, and I just th I just thought, you know, if I'm going to defend this thing, I should see it, because I felt like I needed to defend it. Uh, so I watched it, and I had a great time. It was a lot of fun. I'm glad that I watched it. It was a fun, sassy panda movie, and uh, I, I, I liked the... 
I liked the kids in the movie, and I, I thought that they were a, a good group of friends, and there was a lot that made me laugh out loud. Even though I'm 41 years old and have no children, uh, I, I, I thought it was a really cute movie and had a good time. So that's, that's Turning Red. Uh, see it. Maybe if you don't want to explain what a period is to your five-year-old yet, don't. And just watch the movie with people who understand what a period is. Or, I don't know, don't watch it. But, like, the fact that it takes place in a different culture from yours that doesn't worship Jesus, uh, and yet still has periods, that doesn't need to go to Facebook, man. You can just, I don't know, not watch it. Which you already didn't. You didn't. You read about it on some Christian parenting blog, written by somebody who probably spends way too much time thinking about children, and you flipped the fuck out to your Facebook without having any context for it and not seeing it. It's a fun movie. Stop making fun shit scary. Stop that. Okay, rant over. Uh, I also watched my dinner with Andre. <laughs> you don't, uh, you don't get much further removed from the story of a little girl getting her period for the first time than Wallace Shawn sitting in a restaurant <laughs> talking for three hours. Um, <laughs> Uh, my Dinner with Andre, that's actually maybe the best description of it. It is uh, Wallace Shawn and Andre Gregory, who I am... I'm very familiar with Wallace Shawn. I'm not familiar at all with Andre Gregory, except for this movie. It's the two of them getting together to have dinner after not having had dinner for a long time. And uh, them just talking about life and the strange experiences that Andre Gregory has had. By the way, completely fictionalized, completely scripted. It was in no way uh, ad-libbed. It was in no way improvised. It was meticulously written out. These are fictionalized versions of these two men. Wallace Shawn has gone on record as saying, look, a lot of what I said in the movie, I, don't, I, I didn't actually believe at the time, but it was, it, it, it was the conversation that we were looking to get across. It was, the, it was the discussion we were looking to get across in the movie. And Andre Gregory has said very much the same. Uh, and Andre Gregory needs to say the same because he comes across as a lunatic in My Dinner with Andre. Uh, but uh, it's it's basically a comedy, although it, it sort of doesn't play like one now because the humor is very, very, very dry. And it probably worked a little bit better in whatever year it came out. I don't have that in front of me. I think 70-something. Uh, but, uh, it's, it's, it's basically a comedy, but it's, it's two guys sitting in a restaurant talking about life and Andre Gregory, who, who I think is a director. I'm not really, or author. I'm not really, again, not familiar with him, but Andre Gregory's talking about very spiritual, crazy ass experiences that he's had. And Wallace Shawn on the other side uh, is taking a very humanistic stance and saying, okay, but I, I understand you've had all these experiences, but it comes down to, like, we're all still people, and we all still live in the real world, is kind of what he's, is kind of the approach that he's taking. Wallace Shawn, by the way, if that name sounds familiar to you, or doesn't, 
you know who that is. Uh, if you just hear me say the word inconceivable, you know who Wallace Shawn is. He played Fazzini in The Princess Bride. Uh, he's done a whole bunch of different character work, but that's probably the thing that he's best known for, that and maybe My Dinner with Andre. Uh, it, it actually made me laugh because I was watching My Dinner with Andre, which came out way before The Princess Bride, and at one point in the movie, uh, Wallace Shawn says the word inconceivable, and I was like, ah, you said the thing. And uh, <laughs> it was, you know, it was kind of a weird coincidence. But uh, it, it's, it's Wallace Shawn having dinner with his crazy friend, trying to understand what the hell is happening. And that's that's what the movie is for three hours. And when I first watched it, I thought, I don't know what the hell that was, and I don't know if I liked it. I don't think I hated it, but I don't know if I liked it. And then several days later, and even a week later, I was still thinking about it. And I was, you know, sort of reminiscing about it, and it's a Criterion Blu-ray that I have of it, so I watched the extra features on it after that, and I was like, oh yeah, I did like this movie. This was actually a lot of fun. This was really great. And, like, I want to watch it again, and I just need to, like, find the three hours to do that, which isn't possible right now, but, I, I like, I want to see more of it. Like, it, it, I, it turns out I really did like it. <laughs> so, I, I wanted to share that with you. My Dinner with Andre, movie that you've probably heard referenced in shit, uh, often referenced as, what a weird, boring movie. Like, that's often the reference that, that you get from people. Uh, like, it's popped up in The Simpsons a couple times as being kind of a lame movie. Uh, that's, in my opinion, an incorrect read. I thought it was really interesting and gave you a lot to think about, and just sort of the, the sort of inherent duality of the two characters presented was really, really stuck with me and was really interesting. Uh, give it a shot. I, I hadn't seen it before, and the reason I hadn't seen it before was I just, I believed the sort of bad read of it, but in the weeks leading up to me watching it, I had uh, just a bunch of different people from wildly disconnected groups referencing my dinner with Andre to me and telling me it was great. And I just thought, well, I keep hearing from people that I trust in a very short time span that my, that my dinner with Andre is worth watching. I'm going to grab the Criterion release and I'm going to watch it. So that's what I did. And I had a great time. That's, that's all. Liked my dinner with Andre. Turning Red had a little bit more to say about it, but I liked my dinner with Andre a lot. Maybe you will too, I guess? I had another Criterion release sitting around that I've actually had for a little while, and I just hadn't watched it because it's a movie that I'm familiar with, you know, and I, I sometimes I, you just collect a movie that you like and you don't watch the movie right away. you like, I already like this, I've already seen it, I don't need to watch it right now, but I want to have it in the collection. And... This is one of those. There's a Criterion Blu-ray out there of The Breakfast Club. You know, Molly Ringwald and uh, uh, Judd Nelson and uh, Anthony Michael Hall and uh, Ali Sheedy and uh, the other one. Who did I miss? Molly Ringwald, Ali Sheedy, Judd Nelson... Anthony Michael Hall. Oh, Emilio Estevez. Fuck, sorry. Uh, Emilio Estevez. And also the guy who plays the jackass principal, who had some valid points, I've got to say. Uh, and also the guy who played the janitor, uh, neither of whom I'm very familiar with. 
but the Brat Pack, as they came to be known, uh, are the folks in this movie. And if you're unfamiliar with the movie, it's set in the 1980s, and it was made in the 1980s. Uh, it's a John Hughes movie. He was great at making 1980s movies, or whatever time period he wanted to wet himself to, but it was usually the 80s. He just did a great job of capturing the culture and the vibe, and even if you're unfamiliar with that culture, he presents it in a way that you go, yeah, okay, I kind of get this, and I see myself in this a little bit. Uh, it, what it is, it's, it's a movie about five teenagers who have detention on a Saturday, and they're stuck in a room, and they're very, very different people, and since they're stuck in a room together, they start having conversations and learning about each other and figuring out how they fit together against a backdrop of a, a Bananas High School. That's the conceit of the entire movie, uh, but what you get is really interesting character studies that are also really, really funny, and it's it's heartwarming in places, and it's uncomfortable in places, and it's very funny in, in a lot of places. Uh, some of it didn't age very well because it was the 1980s. They do use the three-letter F word in it. That happens. Uh, but, you know, the parts that didn't age well just didn't age well in the same way nothing ages well. Uh, I recently watched It's a Mad, 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 Mad World as well. Maybe I'll talk about that another time. Uh, but like in that one, Peter Fox says the word retarded at one point. That You know, that's... The times move on and change. And there's a little bit of that to The Breakfast Club. But otherwise, the jokes are still rock solid. It's still a really fun, really engaging, really entertaining, really interesting movie. Uh, and I had a lot of fun watching it. And you know who else had a lot of fun watching it? Was my cat, Jonko. He sat on the couch with me and enjoyed it. And uh, also, McGuire came by as, as well. One of the pictures I put up uh, on, on my Facebook was, uh, boy, which one of them was it? I think it was McGuire. And just the look on his face during the, uh, what about you, Dad, scene in the movie. Um, also, John Coe really enjoyed my dinner with Andre. Uh, I have a picture of him uh, just kind of like upright against the screen looking at Andre Gregory who's wearing like one of those thick Irish sweaters with the, like the chunky knit sweater and uh, I posted that on, on the internet and his, his foster mom Kim uh, replied and said uh, he does love a good chunky knit and posted a video of him just chewing on one of her sweaters this past winter that she was what that she was wearing at the time and I was like all right well good to know I've got a lot of sweaters so you know uh, <laughs> it was adorable but uh, uh, yeah the cats have watched all this stuff with me and had a had, seemed to have a good time with both of those movies Breakfast Club great soundtrack great cast a lot of fun really funny if you've never seen it you kind of should it's just one of those movies that you should see. It's one of those iconic, you know, snapshot of the time type of movies. And uh, I had a lot of fun watching it again, and I had fun with the uh, bonus footage that's on it, the interviews and stuff, and um, just absolutely worth your time. Uh, it, it, almost any Criterion Collection release that you can find out there is worth your time. I, I have a small collection of Criterion Collection releases. Uh, I think we've got like by small collection, I might have 50 uh, <laughs> Criterion releases. Um, there are over a thousand movies in the Criterion collection. I'm not going to go for all of them, but there are probably around a, around a hundred that I want. Uh, and I think I've got about 50. Uh, so Criterion collection's cool. But Breakfast Club, 
just a classic, and just a classic comedy and a lot of fun, and I really enjoyed revisiting it. And if you haven't seen it in a while, it might be worth your time. So that's it. Really liked all three of those movies, Turning Red, My Dinner with Andre, and The Breakfast Club. That was a weird week, <laughs> watching those all in the same kind of time frame there, but uh, had a good time doing it. And uh, we got one more segment we're going to do, and then we'll get out of here. But uh, this episode's going to be a little bit long, because I've been gone for a little while. But uh, it's, it's, we got a little bit more to talk about. Maybe you got a couple things uh, you can add to your list to watch there. It was, a, it was a good time for me and the cats. Maybe it will be for you, too. I want to talk about some recent releases in music. And since this is my show and no one is here to stop me, that is what I'm going to do. I got three here that have uh, come out in 2022 since the last time I talked to you. I thank all of them. And I'm going to talk to you about them. You know how conversations work. Uh, I have things I want to say, and I'm going to say them. So uh, uh, let's just dive right into it. I've got, I've got three sitting here in front of me, and we're going we're gonna to tackle each one. The first one in front of me here is the new album by Frank Turner called FTHC, which I assume stands for Frank Turner Hardcore. Uh, the cover of it is just FTHC in black on a white background, and there's a red X on there, which I assume means that Frank Turner is now straight edge, because that's usually what that means, uh, I believe popularized by the band Minor Threat, or they're at least who I always think about. Uh, but yeah, Frank Turner has a new one out, FTHC. Frank Turner, previously known as a sort of acoustapunk guy, he d- he did you know punk structured songs, but with an acoustic guitar as the front running instrument. Um, doesn't do that so much anymore. The acoustic seems to be gone from what he's doing, and frankly, I miss it. Uh, he probably hears that critique a lot, and I don't mean anything. You know, I don't mean to pile on, but I I really liked him as like in the England Keep My Bones era. Uh, but anywho. Frank Turner, new album, FTHC, very electric-driven, not so much acoustic, but it's still very much a Frank Turner album. It sounds like him, you know? And I, I, I tend to like every other Frank Turner album, and I guess maybe we're on an other loop because uh, I, I like this one a lot. Lyrically, it seems to support my theory that he is now straight edge. I will be honest with you, I haven't completely... Uh, I haven't completely absorbed it, but uh, there are places where, like, it sounds like, all right, I think he got off the shit, and he's now evangelical about that, which is what happens, and that's fine. It's I enjoy that, uh, and I've been that before, and I, I get it. So uh, there's that, and he's still evangelically atheist as well, which I never really understand, because I can understand why you can have a deep belief in something and want to share that with people, but uh, having a deep belief in nothing and wanting to share that with people just confuses me. Uh, and seems a lot more confrontational in just trying to take people's hope away, which is, that's what's upsetting about it. It isn't that you're sharing your belief, it's that you are trying to tell people that the thing that they've centered their life around that they find their hope in is a lie, and that's uh, not a cool thing to do. 
but he does it a lot. Uh, and even despite that, I still like him, and I still think he makes valid points, and I still think his songs are really catchy. And that's pretty much the whole review of FTHC. He seems to be uh, uh, straight edge now. He's still an atheist, and his songs are really catchy. That's it. Uh, oh, and they're all electric now. So, uh, which they have been for several albums. Whatever. Check it out. Good release. Don't have a lot else to say about it. It's a Frank Turner album. It just sort of is what it is. Uh, and it's good, it turns out, this time. So check it out. Frank Turner, FTHC. And there's an implied X there. Uh, good album. Enjoyed it. Need to absorb it a little bit more. Get into some more of the lyrics, because he usually has some pretty clever turns of phrase. But uh, I liked what I heard. Next one I want to talk about is the newest release of probably 17 to come out this year, as they are want to do. Uh, but the newest release by Guided by Voices called Crystal Nuns Cathedral. This is the first one they've put out this year of who knows how many, because they think that they're the only band and tend to release multiple albums a year, which uh, I do that a little bit too. I, I will put out multiple albums in a year, but then I'll take a year off or two. Uh, Guided by Voices tends to put out multiple albums a year, every year, for the past several years. And uh, I, I like them. I like every album they put out, but it gets to be a little bit of, uh, of fatigue, you know? Like if, if you say to somebody, boy, I really like French silk chocolate pie. And that person goes, oh, okay, great. And they come to you the next day and they hand you a French silk chocolate pie. You go, oh, awesome. I really love this. And it's so nice that you gave it to me. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. And you go home and you eat the pie because you're in your 40s and have given up. So you eat an entire pie. That's, that's what your night is. And you wake up the next morning, you're like, wow, I ate a whole fucking pie last night. Time to go to work, and you go to work, and that same person walks up to you, and they hand you another French silk chocolate pie. You go, wow, another French silk chocolate pie. I'm still digesting the one from last night, uh, but all right, thanks. I'll, I'll, I'll take this with me and probably eat another pie tonight, because that's what my life has turned out to be. And you take it, and you go home, and you eat another pie, and you wake up the next morning and go, Jesus, as that was a lot of pie. Still good. It's well made. Enjoyed the pie. Time to go to work. And you go to work, and the person's coming up to you, and you see the fucking pie in their hand, and you're just like, alright. I... I don't know if I can eat a third pie tonight. But... Alright, thank you. That's very nice of you to hand me another pie. I really love... Maybe, maybe next time a lemon meringue, you know, and you go home and you eat the fucking pie. And that's, that's sort of, that's sort of what it's starting to feel like with Guided by Voices. Just like, hey, I, uh, I really love what you do. Kind of listening to the Foo Fighters right now. Um, and, uh, trying to make sense of your last album because I, I, don't know what Bob Pollard's ever talking about, but... Uh, Alright, thanks. Appreciate the new album. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna enjoy it. I'm gonna listen to it. Might take me a while to get into it. Uh, still 
digesting your last one, but thanks. It's great to have it. Love having it. Glad you're still doing it. Not going to look a gift horse in the mouth. I'm going to take it. It's great, you know, but come on, man. Let me, let me breathe. I got, got other, got other pies in the fridge, you know? That's sort of how I feel about GBV these days. Love them. Could use a little time off, <laughs> frankly. But uh, Crystal Nuns Cathedral, it's a good album. It's a very good album. It's a little bit more... Uh, this is gonna... I can't think of another word to use, but this is gonna sound negative, and I don't mean it to be. It's a little more sludgy than their last couple albums. A little more plodding, a little bit more slow-paced, a little bit more moody. That Maybe that's the word I'm looking for. A little bit more moody uh, and atmospheric in that way. Uh, the last few albums have been barn burners, just good rock albums. This one's a little bit more moody, which is a nice welcome change after eating so much French silk chocolate pie. By the way, I like French silk chocolate pie. If anybody wants to walk up and hand me one of those, I will eat it that night. Uh, but it's, it's, you know, it's, it's after so much of the same kind of pie, it's nice to have, you know, on this one, they handed you a cake. But, uh, so it's a little bit of a different vibe, but still really, really good. And like I said, kind of welcomed after having, I don't want to say the same vibe, but similar vibes to the last few albums. This one's a, a step into a different direction, and I really appreciate that. Uh, we'll see how many albums they put out this year. Always interested to find that out. Always buy each one. Uh, but Crystal Nuns Cathedral? Yeah, good listen. A little bit of a, little bit of a more, um moody listen than the than the recent ones but very good really enjoyed it and we got one more to talk about we've got an album to talk about that uh it should come to no surprise to you that i enjoyed it should come to no surprise to you to hear someone say the sentence that i'm about to say hey guys the new album by dolly parton is really good of course it is. It's the new album by Dolly Parton. The new album by Dolly Parton is called Run, Rose, Run. It's uh, more or less a... Uh, I, I don't know if I want to say concept album, but it's a companion piece, anyway, to a book that Dolly Parton uh, wrote along with uh, James Patterson. And uh, I haven't read that book, but the album kind of made me want to, because there are a couple things on the album that it might actually help to read the book for. Uh, but it's it's really good. It's classic Dolly. It's catchy as hell. The one criticism I might have of it is that there are... It's a little bit heavy on the uh, duets. Particularly, they're on... Uh, at the last part... Uh, in the last part of the album, at the end of it, there are two duets separated only by one song. One features a very Willie Nelson-sounding Joe Nichols, and the other features Richard Dennison. And uh, it just kind of, it didn't feel great to have two duets so close together, especially toward the end of an album. But if that's the only criticism I have, those songs were still really good. I still really enjoyed them. Nothing wrong with a duet, you know, and it just kind of, and Dolly always does great duets, you know, don't get me wrong. I have no problem with her doing duets. She's the master of duets. She's the master of anything she fucking does. But uh, it was just kind of a, it was noticeable. I'll say that. I don't think it was bad. It was noticeable. But for the most part, you've got a really good country album here. And it's it's pure Dolly Parton. And that's always great. I don't have anything to add to that. It's just great. It's a new Dolly Parton album. And, of course, it's great. You should check it out. 
Run Rose Run is the new Dolly album. Absolutely worth your time. I've listened to it, uh, like, it's one of those albums that I, I had in the car with me, and I listened to it, and it wrapped back around to the start of the album, and I listened to it two more times. Because it was just, it was, I just really loved it. It's a, it's a really good album. Check it out, Dolly Parton, Run Rose Run. Worth whatever you pay for it, and however many listens you give it. And that is it for the new music reviews. Uh, I'll tell you, it's been a little bit of a slow year for new releases, at least for stuff that I'm interested in. Uh, I'm sure there are those of you out there who think this is the best year ever and it's only just now April, you know, but I haven't bought a lot of new stuff. I've bought mainly, like, the stuff that I've bought has been sort of older stuff that I've been meaning to get around to, and pretty much the stuff that I just named. Haven't bought a lot of new releases. I think it's going to pick up here a little bit later in the year, and honestly, I've had kind of an expensive couple of months with the cats moving in, so it's been, uh, uh sort of a relief to not have to be at the record store every Friday, but uh, even though I've gone most Fridays, uh, or at least over the weekends. But uh, uh, yeah, I've been kind of a slow year, but I thankfully have liked everything I've bought so far. So that's that's a win, and we'll see what the rest of the year has to offer. I'm sure even if it remains a slow year, I will find something to talk about. But for now, we're done talking about music for this episode. Alright, Checkmates, that was the episode. We're back, and we're doing it again. That's nice. In the interim between the last segment that I recorded and this outro, the cats uh, revealed to me that they found a uh, pad of post-it notes, and they've been uh, going through that. So um, uh, we've, uh, we, we learned today that we've got to watch our post-it notes more closely, but... They're they're adorable and they're fine. Uh, they just uh, they decided to chew up some of my post its. It's it's fine. I could buy more post its. But uh, yeah, the cats are have been around for this whole episode. They've been mainly quiet, letting Daddy do his work. They've padded through a couple of times, but uh, I don't know that you would have known it. They're they're they've been pretty uh, pretty quiet and pretty well behaved. It doesn't seem to be Zoomy hour. So uh, the the boys are here and they're they're doing good. Um. I uh, have something I want to talk about real quick here on the outro, and this is a little bit of a shift in tone, and it's a little bit of a sad shift in tone, unfortunately. Uh, but I, I feel like it would be remiss of me if I didn't didn't say this. Um, this uh, this past week, actually, I guess last weekend, technically. Uh, a co-worker of mine passed away, suddenly. Uh, someone had talked to him on Saturday. Someone from our company had talked to him on Saturday. In fact, a couple people had talked to him on Saturday. And then on Monday morning, uh, we got a call that he had passed. And we I don't think anybody yet even knows how. Uh, he was just there, and then he was gone. And that's so often how it happens, of course. Um, 
I'm not going to do a whole tribute episode to him. He knew nothing about this show. He, you know, we didn't talk a lot about pop culture and stuff. We were friends, though. Um, which I know it's unbelievable to be my friend and not talk about pop culture, but uh, that was sort of the nature of it. And he was uh, very proudly rough around the edges. He had a uh, temper and a mouth on him and had trouble controlling either. But that was all an act because he he had a rough life and he thought he needed to put up this front to hide the really good heart on the inside. Um, he was a very kind person in a lot of ways. Uh, a very considerate person. He did not want this known in his lifetime, but I think that now it's fine to say it. Um, every year at the company, when he would get a Christmas bonus, he would give his Christmas bonus to someone else on staff that needed it more than he did. That was the kind of guy that he was on the inside that you got to see if you stuck around long enough to get past the outside. He was an artist. He did great works of art. He had beautiful handwriting, of all things. Um, he, uh, he enjoyed food. He was an excellent cook. He, I mean, to say someone enjoys food is such an absurd thing to say. Who doesn't? But he was an excellent cook. He enjoyed a good laugh. He enjoyed a, an occasional drink. <laughs> he, uh, he was a really good guy that a lot of people didn't understand. That for a very long time, I didn't understand. When I first met him, I didn't like him. But thankfully... I got to, hung, to to hang around long enough to see past the facade to the really good heart on the inside. And he taught me to look for that in people. He didn't know that he did that. He didn't mean to do that, but he did that. He was also a fellow cat person. He cared for a cat. And the boys you know, here are so new to me that I hadn't actually seen him because we're both still, you know, well, we both, I guess, were still basically working remotely, so we just hadn't crossed paths in person. But I, I never got to talk to him about my cats. And I know that would have been a fun conversation, and that makes me sad. Um, I don't... I do it, but I don't often love to use this show as a platform to say... You know, to give life advice, really, um... Or to get terribly serious, even though I do that from time to time. Uh, hell, I kind of already did that in this episode, didn't I? Talking about Taylor Hawkins. but um, Sometimes, well, sometimes, oftentimes in your life you're going to lose somebody in a heartbeat and you won't know how much the next heartbeat is going to hurt until it happens. Um, when I was told that he had passed away, the first words out of my mouth were, oh my god, and I think I was crying before the D in the word God came out. And everybody at the office has been like that. The office handled it 
beautifully. They brought in a counselor to talk to us as a group. They then had the counselor stick around for one-on-one sessions. We have a program at our office that if you need to talk to a counselor, you can talk to them and get uh, four free sessions to talk through a problem if you need them. Uh, And that's per problem, by the way. That's not you know th- that isn't limited if you if 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 you lose somebody and need to talk to somebody you can talk to somebody and then if you lose somebody else later you didn't use up the four that you get you can talk you can have four more sessions it's a great program the company has handled it very very well um i don't want to i don't want to say his name on the show because this is a very public thing and i'm talking about a very private thing but I'm gonna miss him a lot, and uh, there are definitely people in your life that maybe you've already lost, but that you're gonna lose still too. That you're uh, you're not gonna know what you're gonna feel until you feel it, and. With whatever platform I have here, I just wanted to take a second to tell you that's okay, and you're going to get through it, and it's going to be hard, but on the other side of it, it's it's going to be okay. Um, as I say at the end of every show, please continue to take the lingering pandemic seriously. We don't have any reason to believe that it's completely over yet, even though things look a lot better. But uh, mask up, vax up, uh, distance when appropriate as well. Please remember that black lives matter. Please remember that trans rights are human rights. Please remember that women's rights are human rights and that I shouldn't have to tell you any of that. And with what I uh, just said about my friend... This seems a poignant way to end. Be good to each other. Be good to yourself. Forgive each other. And forgive yourself. And while you're doing all that, check us out next time. It was a banner fucking year in the Bender family. 